Good morning, everyone. I hope your week has gone well, and I hope you had a nice time on the 4th of July, social distancing, of course, at your gatherings, um, setting off the fireworks with no major injuries, hopefully. Uh, how about your uh, patriotic clothes? Get that red, white, and blue going for you. Hopefully that you all had some fun uh, on, on the 4th of July, and this weekend, too. You're enjoying this as well the whole time. I heard that some were planning to not celebrate Independence Day uh, because of the current events in our country. I felt that it wasn't the best reaction to what's going on, but I couldn't find the words to express my thoughts until I got on Facebook and I read Simeon Perkey's post. Uh, Simeon's the son of Mark and Diana Perkey, and uh, he wrote this. I think it, it kind of hits the mark. He said, I've seen several posts indicating that the 4th of July shouldn't be observed this year because our country isn't worth celebrating. I disagree. While there is much to vehemently disavow, there is still much to celebrate. We celebrate the, the ideals of equality and freedom, recognizing that those ideals have never been and still are far from fully realized. We celebrate all those who have dedicated themselves to and sacrificed so much for those ideals while acknowledging that they have been and continue to be imperfect. We celebrate not to boast, but to humbly recognize and recommit ourselves to the foundational ideals that all are created equal and inherently worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well said, Simeon. Well done. Now, you may not agree with all that uh, he writes there, every, every word that he uses there, but I think he's got the right idea. And I would also say that the foundational element in all of this is love out of a pure heart. Without it, we won't be able to move forward successfully in this high tension and, and heated climate of our country right now. But that's for another sermon, and we can go there another day. This summer, of course, we will be visiting some of the Psalms, and as I've mentioned before, and we're going to discover, discover how they can minister to us in our time of need, just like music, regular music does for us today. And there are so many Psalms that we can, we can discover and look at and, and just read and study and, and be encouraged and be challenged as well. Um, I trust that uh, if you haven't yet, you'll be involved with the Psalms a little bit more after this summer, or maybe during this summertime, to uh, read through those. There's 150 of them, and you can read through them, uh, five of them a, a day, and, and then be able to get through them in a month. So, uh, of course, Psalm 119 might take more uh, time, so you might want to save that for a day. But anyway, a uh, great book that uh, we're going to be going through. Uh, not all of them, of course, but we're going to be touching on, on a few of them. But I was reminded again, like I mentioned last time, that music is so powerful. It brings us through those difficult times. It motivates us. It, it, it takes us back uh, to some familiar places. And I was reminded of that just on uh, this last Friday. Um, I was uh, uh, needed to go to the hospital for an MRI because they wanted to check the hip and make sure things are going well there. And as I was placed in that MRI, that, that whole unit there that does the everything, small donut, um, they gave me uh, headphones for music. And they said it was elevator music. And I said, okay, great. And as they gave it to me, it was music from the 80s. Elevator music! Anyway, so, uh, but as it was playing, it was like the late 70s and 80s and stuff like that. 
And for me, it took me back to elementary school. It took me back to junior high and high school. You know, some of those days, I really didn't want to go back and remember. It was like, not not so much, not so good. But uh, again, as I was laying there, though, all those different songs just brought all these different memories of junior high and high school and elementary just flooding back into my mind. Most of them weren't that great, but uh, I, I suffered through it, and I probably was more concerned about the music than I was about the MRI and being all cooped up in that small little hole. But that MRI also had numerous warnings regarding metal, and, and, and they asked me at the beginning, they said, are you needing to take your claustrophobia uh, medicine? I was like, I don't think so, <laughs> but uh, warnings like that, you know, make sure you take your claustrophobia um, medicine. Um, um, don't wear any kind of metal or anything like that. And I was wondering if there was a warning about those who had titanium hip replacements because I didn't want to get stuck to the sides of this donut or whatever, the, all that magnetic stuff going on. But they, they assured me that it was fine um, and uh, I'd be all right. You know, there are also some real life warnings on other products as well. I mean, when I was at the MRI, sitting in the hallway, actually, waiting to get in, there was this big old, on the door, big old sign saying, warning, magnetic area, don't enter with with uh, um, uh, metal. And it's like, okay, wow, goodness. And it was real huge. But there's also other real-life warnings on products that we, we purchase. And I came across some that I thought were very um, weird. And... Uh, uh, they apparently have a website that you can look them up and and uh, there's some very odd warnings on the labels of uh, some products. Like for instance, the job uh, the Jabra uh, drive it's a drive and talk. it's a it's a Bluetooth speakerphone basically it's a, uh, for cell phones to be used in the car. So you can hands free listen to your cell phone if you get a phone call, hands free stuff. The Drive and Talk carries this contradictory warning label that says, never operate your speakerphone while driving. Um, okay, so instead of it being a Drive and Talk, it probably should be called just the talk. <laughs> Don't drive with it. Um, Nitol, sleeping pills. Maybe some of you take those. Had to take them since you maybe had some stress in your life these last few months. The label warns that it may cause drowsiness. Sleeping pills. I hope so. Uh, jet skis. There's a label on jet skis that says never use a lit match or open flame to check fuel level. Um, this kind of warning also too apparently can be found on any other the gas caps of uh, personal recreational vehicles and ATVs. It should be followed by this saying, and if this was news to you, you are not legally permitted to operate this vehicle or for that matter, leave the house. If you can't uh, follow that, that rule. Hair dryers. This is a very odd one. I've never seen or heard of this one before. Um, one of the most odd warnings. A label warning. Do not use while sleeping. Do not use while... A hair dryer. Do not use while sleeping. Several manufacturers apparently of hair dryers thought it was necessary to warn users of the dangers of sleep drying. And uh, an affliction apparently happened to somebody and so they had to put the warning out. Then there's the blowtorch gas uh, bottle. Of course, you know, some of you use that to light things with and everything else. Um, there's a label warning that contents may catch fire. 
I hope so. That's what you want to have happen with a blowtorch gas bottle. On a package of fishing lures was attached the warning, harmful if swallowed. Now, that's a bit odd because it, it, is that written to, to warn the fish in the pond? Or can you imagine maybe a fisherman in a boat getting really hungry? He has been out so long on the water that he's starved. He looks down at a brightly colored lure and he thinks, hey, that looks tasty. And he, he's about to ready to pop one of those puppies in his mouth when he sees the, the warning on the label. And thankfully it says, don't, you know, harmful if swallowed. Oh, thank goodness. I was, you know, hungry. I was going to eat one. Or a carpenter's router. This is really bizarre. A carpenter's router carries a warning, this product not intended for use as a dental drill. You, you know these labels are here, these warnings are here, because somebody somewhere did these things. And they had to cover, uh, you know, the, the legal part of all this. Yeah, I wonder if Home Depot has had too many dentists in their tool aisle, wondering, wondering if they could buy their routers instead of expensive dental equipment. Uh, who knows? And then uh, finally, one company sells those cardboard sun shields used to keep the hot sun off the car dashboards. I've had one of those before, and it works quite well, actually. Um, well, someone's concerned that somebody might forget to remove their product before heading on to the highway. So the, the shield carries this warning. Do not drive with sun shield in place. Uh, who could forget to remove the obstruction? You can't see anything when you're driving. And those who forgot might need a refresher course on driving. Uh, remove the area in the windshield so you can see where you're going. Anyway, life is full of warnings. And it seems like someone is always telling us what we we can't do. And some think that is the, the essence of Christianity. Don't do this. Don't do that. And God sits up in heaven on his throne issuing rules like lawyers he commands, don't do this, don't do that, and don't you dare have any fun. And Christianity for, for many becomes drudgery instead of freedom. What a tragedy. You see, God is all about freedom. Only with him can we experience real freedom. Now we're going to look at a couple of verses in one of the longest psalms to get a better idea of all of this. Uh, look with me, if you haven't turned there yet, to Psalm 119, in the middle of your Bible there. Psalm 119, we're going to look at two verses. Uh, one verse is, is out of the section that I mentioned that I was going to actually use. Um, it's verse 32, and then the other verse is verse 45. Um, I mentioned we were going to look through 41 through 48, but we're going to just look at these two verses for, for now. Uh, Psalm 119, verses 32 and verse 45. Verse 32 says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. And then in verse 45, it says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Now, these two statements connect freedom and the word. Uh, verse 32 says, because we are free, we are able to keep the commands of God. And then verse 45 says that since we seek out the precepts of, of the scriptures, we are able to live in freedom. Now, both verses say freedom and the word go hand in hand, and they do. Does that sound like your life? Maybe you probably have experienced moments when you haven't always felt freedom in Christ. 
Maybe you felt kind of confined that some things you're not able to do. Maybe you've slipped into living to please others and, and maybe to conforming to religious expectations. Um, does that sound familiar to you, maybe? But often our culture defines freedom as being uh, loosed from the shackles of religion. There are those who are described as free thinkers. The Catholic Encyclopedia defines them as this. There are those who, they are those who abandoning, abandoning the religious truths and moral dictates of the Christian revelation and accepting no dogmatic teaching on the ground of authority base their beliefs on the unfettered findings of reason alone. Basically, in other words, free thinkers usually reject the, uh, the teachings of Scripture and they choose their own beliefs. They think Scripture is too confining. Um, they don't, it doesn't allow them to, to uh, um, uh, have freedom in what they want to do. They consider themselves free when they can reject the teachings of Scripture and choose their own beliefs. Now, some young people often consider the Bible as restrictive. You get into those, those, those younger years and you want to do some things on your own, and, but then you know about the Bible and, and you hear about the things you shouldn't be doing because you've read them in the Bible. And, uh, you know, if they were to follow those things in the Bible, they wouldn't be free to do what their friends do. So too many restrictions, you know, are keeping them from having fun. But, but is freedom from God and the word really freedom? No, it is really slavery. Uh, let's look at John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. It's the New Testament there, Gospel of John, uh, front of the New Testament. We'll see a contrast here. Contrast true freedom from the actual slavery of rejecting God's word. Look with me in uh, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Jesus' Jewish listeners discern that the opposite of freedom is slavery, and rightly so. They, they, they bristled at the suggestion that they were slaves to anyone. Politically and spiritually, they prided themselves for being fiercely independent of others. But Jesus declares that they are really slaves. So let's take a moment this morning to consider uh, some forms of slavery grasping the Pharisees. What kind of slavery was holding on to the Pharisees? First, there's the slavery to sin. The obvious example of the grip sin had on them is that they were ready to reject and kill Jesus, the Son of God, as, as the Gospel of John mentioned there in uh, 
in verse 38. And as much as we try to blank out the guilt of sinful disobedience, we are not really acting freely. When we stop obeying God, we become a slave to the devil, slave to Satan. Have you ever tried to stop sinning? <laughs> if you have, you know you are not truly free. And then another slavery is religious arrogance. Religious arrogance. Do you recall the story about two men praying in the temple? It's found in Luke uh, chapter 18. And 18 verses 10 through 14. Again, reading in NIV. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> too many of us identify with the first character, the Pharisee, all too often. We judge others as inferior, and we are certain that we are closer to God than other religious people. We are really slaves. And then uh, we are slaves to, we can be slaves to tradition. Sorry, tradition. Have you ever examined what you really believe and how you practice your faith? If you compare your life and beliefs, you will probably see a discrepancy with Scripture. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference because we are so connected to our religious traditions. We, we are involved with what has been done because we've always done it before. And we will look back at Scripture and notice maybe that's not quite exactly what should be done. The Pharisees continually conflicted with Jesus with their traditions over ritual cleanliness and, and Sabbath regulations. And guess what? <laughs> traditions won out every time over the authoritative word of the Lord. So the Pharisees were enslaved to, to tradition. And then uh, Christians can also be enslaved by their fear of men. Fear of men. As the Proverbs say in uh, Proverbs 29, verse 5, it says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Proverbs, Proverbs 29, verse 5. And we, we, are, we are like Abraham. Though he was promised by God that he would, he would father many nations, he feared men instead of God. In Genesis chapter 12, when famine struck and he traveled to Egypt, because his wife was beautiful, they agreed to tell people she was his sister. Now, he was afraid that the Egyptians would kill him so that they, would, they could have his wife. And then in Genesis 20, he did the same thing later when he escaped famine by going to the Negev. And in Genesis 26, when his son Isaac uh, faced the same situation, what do you suppose he did? The same thing. Being afraid of men, Isaac and Rebekah lied that she was his sister. <laughs> Fear of men. 
Aren't we also easily enslaved because of our fear of men? We are so desperate for approval. We will we'll do all kinds of things to please others. This is one of the cruelest forms of slavery. But Jesus has come to set you and me free from that. So how can I be free? What, what, what is it that, uh, that needs to be done for me to be free? Well, first of all, freedom is found in careful obedience to God's word. Psalm 119.45 says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. And it may sound strange, but submission to the authority of God sets us free from a host of different slaveries. There's nothing quite like the inner peace associated with obedience to the Word of God. Those of you who've experienced that, obedience to the Word of God, you know what I'm talking about. You're saying, amen, that, that, I know about that. And what a wonderful inner peace that is associated with that. And also, too, uh, another way God uh, that the Word uh, sets us free is that it also warns us of destructive things that threaten to enslave us. If you're not using God's word in your life, it can't warn you. <laughs> it's kind of like the GPS in my car. I put my phone on the dashboard there, and I usually use that GPS when I'm driving around to watch out for traffic and stuff like that. Well, there have been times where I haven't used it. I'm thinking, oh, well, I can get through. I'm, I'm just going from here to here or on 205 real quick to and just jut on down to the next uh, exit or whatever, and didn't realize that there's traffic because I didn't have my GPS on. And so uh, there have been times where, you know, traffic happens. I'm going, oh, dummy. <laughs> if I had my GPS app going right now, I would have known that there would be a backup here on this freeway, or this road was going to be just totally jammed up and I needed to go to another route. If I had my GPS going, and, and, and I didn't at times, uh, not having it on to be warned about traffic. And the same thing with God's Word. If we're not reading it, if we don't have it on in our life, it's, it, it can't warn us about the other many things that uh, threaten to enslave us. So we need to have God's Word um, in our lives, reading it daily. There's also the marvelous power in the Spirit-inspired Word of God. It will release you from slavery of sin, the slavery of tradition, and the slavery that, uh, to need to please others. Jesus declares this in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. It says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Consider Adam and Eve. All their needs were provided for. God gave them an important purpose to fill the earth and rule over all of creation. Now, that's a job you probably could get excited about. And God gave them only one rule, a rule designed to protect them. They could not eat of the fruit from the tree of life. Other than that protective prescription designed to keep them free, they were free to live in, in sweet fellowship with God. And since they were free thinkers, they shook off the restraints of the word. They listened too intently to the serpent, 
and chose to be free. What resulted from all of that? Well, of course, they were filled with shame and a loss of fellowship with God. They experienced the curse on the land, and they and all of their descendants were slaves to sin. The way of freedom is to submit willingly to the Word of God. You read a portion of Scripture, and it hits you right between the eyes. You willingly submit to what the Word of God is telling you. If we want to be free disciples, if we want to be free followers of Jesus, we need to hold on to the teachings of Jesus. This means learning what Jesus teaches us in the scriptures and letting it seep deep into our minds and our hearts. The word is powerful to loosen us from slavery. The spirit of the word will empower us to live in the freedom of obedience to God. So here's a challenge for all of us then today. And maybe you don't feel free. Maybe you don't feel too free today. You're caught in the trap of sin or a wrong relationship or personality issues. Would you like to be free today? During the announcements, I, I asked you to get a piece of paper and something to write with. Uh, I would like for you to write down on the, on the paper the names of your slavery. Now, it might be things like uh, lust. It might be bitterness. It might be gossip. It could be substance abuse. It could be lying. It could be greed. Uh, whole sorts of things. Whatever sin holds you, name it. It might be relationship slavery. Um, you are so bound with the need of pleasing another that you can't be free. Maybe you're trapped by fear or anxiety. Maybe you were caught by depression or, or self-focus or just plain old hatred. Name it. Write it down. Take some time right now. Just write it down. Take a moment. I don't have any music for the background for this, but just go ahead and take a moment to write down what might be enslaving you. I'll do the same thing. Shaking the camera, sorry. <laughs> All right. Once you've written it down, you can fold it if you want or whatever, but hold on to it. Hold on to the piece of paper. And now that you have named one or maybe more, you, you could have written down a number of them, whatever is affecting you in that way, those things that have enslaved you. I want to remind you of your freedom in Christ. Remember, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Over a century ago, our nation was entangled in civil war. A primary issue was the slavery of people from Africa. On one September day, President Lincoln issued an executive order, and he wrote these words, that on the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then thenceforward and forever free. And the executive government of the United States 
including the, the military and naval authority thereof, will recognize and maintain the freedom of such persons, and will do no act or acts to repress such persons or any of them in any efforts they may make for their actual freedom. And suddenly, with the Emancipation Proclamation, thousands upon thousands of people were declared free people by the government of the United States of America. One greater proclamation of freedom, more powerful than Abraham Lincoln's or any president has made, is found in God's Word. This is your proclamation. This is my proclamation. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You are free. Hold on to the Word of God and live in your freedom. Would you like to celebrate your freedom in Christ? That piece of paper that you wrote all those uh, things that enslaved you, I want you to tear that sheet of paper up. Names that you have on there of slavery that have enslaved you over the years, maybe even to this day. Turn it into confetti, small little pieces, and just throw it in the air for celebration. Because you have been set free. And remember, Paul's words to the Corinthians when he wrote these words. He said, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us realize that as we go through these days and we are free in you, that there is no repression, that there is no slavery um, in serving while we serve you. We, Lord, are free. And I pray, Lord, that as we follow you and obey your word, we realize that there is so much peace in obeying your word and following you. Lord, if there's someone here today who has been enslaved by the different things that have been mentioned, maybe written down, and they've ripped up a piece of paper, but maybe they're just still feeling like, okay, that was great, confetti, paper everywhere, but I still, I still feel enslaved. Lord, I pray that they would just take some time right now, some quiet time, silent prayer, be able to just give that over to you and ask you to free them. Free them from what binds them. And I pray, Lord, that as they name that before you, that you would, you would free them. You would remind them that you died on that cross to set us free from sin. And whatever kinds of sin that might be enslaving us, we can walk in freedom because you've set us free from that. Help us remember that. And I pray, Lord, that you would also to remind us that if we feel like we, we, we aren't free, maybe there's something that we might have done that you could never forgive. 
remind us, Lord, that that is a lie from Satan, a lie from the devil, trying to trip us up, trying to get us all down and discouraged. Help us remember that if we have been set free, we are free indeed. So, Lord, we come to you and thank you for what you've done. And I pray, Lord, that you would you would remind us and bring assurance in our life that as you have set us free from the sin in our life, we are truly free. Lord, thank you. Thank you for that truth. And thank you for what you've done. And I pray that we would walk in victory and we'd remember that we can walk in freedom because of what you've done in us and for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your message today. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. And I pray that we acted in obedience to what you've prompting us to do. And, and Lord, that we would continue to uh, be reminded of how much you love us. We love you very much. And thank you, Lord, again for this time together, for teaching us, for convicting us, for challenging us, and for reminding us of the hope we have in you. <laughs> we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>